are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. What we're going to look at is what is the church? What is the church? The importance of the church and why we need church. When I say the word church, most people just think of today. They think of today, Sunday, uh, is when we go to church. But the church is so much more than just Sunday, so much more than just brick and mortar and drywall. It's, it it's, has something to do with much more because God's church isn't just a place to sit in, but it's a place to be a part of. It's not just somewhere where we come and sit, but it's something that we can be a part of. It's a place to belong. Someone say belong. It's a place to connect. Someone say connect. It's a place of community. Someone say community. And it's a place where we can grow together. Someone say grow together. And so I believe that the church we see in God's word was designed by God. He established the church. Jesus actually says in the scriptures, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who's building the church? Who's building the church? Jesus is building the church, but he's using you and I, the hands and feet of Jesus, to help propel the vision, the gospel of hope and grace out to our community. Jesus is building his church. Here's what we need to understand. The church was designed to be a place where we connect with God and connect with others. Where we connect with God, our, our, our vertical, right, relationship with God and our horizontal relationships with others. Are you with me? It's kind of the sign of a, something familiar that means a lot in our lives, the cross. We, we, we are to connect with God and we are to connect with others. You see, if you just come every week and you sit there and never connect with others, you're not fulfilling the purpose of why the church was designed, why God established his church here on earth. Yes, we connect to God. We come here. We worship God. Yes, we hear his word, but there should be a connection outside of Sundays with others. Someone say others. Now, Jesus demonstrated why community and why a group matters when he involved himself with 12 men called disciples. Jesus had the first small group. Jesus, the son of God, the one who died for our sins, had the very first small group. And he gathered a group of guys, a very unusual group of guys. Guys who were far from perfection. I mean, who would put Peter in their group? I mean, Peter had the shirt that said, I love Jesus, but I still cuss a little. 
I mean, Peter had an anger problem and he loved his knives. And so one story in the Bible, he took out his knife. Some dude was mouthing off to Jesus. And, you know, it's always important to keep a few folk around you who just got saved in case something pops off. Like we were at men's night and there were a few guys there. I'm like, ah, I think they just got saved. I want them on my team. <laughs> I know my arms aren't too big, but that guy, his arms are the size of tree trunks. Come with me. <laughs> Jesus kept Peter around, but one story, he took out his knife, he cut the dude's ear off, and Jesus like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Jesus takes a man's ear, puts it on his head, and says, can you hear me now? <laughs> Some of you laugh every time. All the new people are like, man, this is great. I hope you say that 10, 10 more times when I say it. So, so he had Doubting Thomas. You remember him, right? I'm not going to believe that he died unless I see, see the hole in his hands. Who, who else did he have? He had some, some, some tax collectors, right? He had some IRS people. Come on, somebody. We know they're honest, right? Of course, everybody in politics is honest, right? Wow. Moving right along. Let's stay to our subject, Jacob. Uh, who else did he have? Oh, Peter, that guy, the one who would deny him? The one that would deny him three times? He actually denied him more than that, but that's just what we see in the scriptures. We know other times that he denied Jesus. So Jesus' small group was imperfect. Can I tell you that your small group will be imperfect? And that's the purpose of a small group, to bring imperfect people together to follow a perfect savior, to help us grow on our journey following Jesus. So the church was designed to be a place that we connect to who? God, and we connect to others. We connect to God, and we connect to others. Jesus had a small group, and because he did, we are here today. These 12 men had a deep connection with God and a profound connection with each other. We know throughout the scripture that this is God's will for us to connect, to be together. If it is God's will for us to connect, if it's God's will for us to do life with each other, then my friend, it is the Satan's will, the adversary of your soul, Lucifer, the devil, whatever you call him. It is his will to disconnect you from others. It is his will to segregate you. It is his will to get you isolated from the body. Because you and I, the person to the right and to the left, they are the church. We collectively make up this beautiful mosaic piece called the church. Different sizes, different colors, different backgrounds, different struggles, come on, different failures, but we collectively come together to make up a beautiful mosaic called the church. And he would love to separate you from this beautiful mosaic piece. That's his purpose. Oh, he doesn't mind that you come here, sir, ma'am, every Sunday and sit there, enjoy the music, enjoy the coffee. Come on now. As long as you're not connected to people outside of here. He would love for you to be an island unto yourself. That's what he would love for you to do. He would love for you to get separated from the very church Jesus said, I came to establish for spiritual growth 
in your life. He would love for this to happen in your life. You know what he would love for you to do? He would love for you to get offended in church. Offended. He he would love for you to hate someone on this side, someone over here, someone who sits behind you. He would love for you to have ill thoughts towards someone. Leadership. He would love for you to rise up against leadership. He would love for you to say, you know what? I'm leaving the church. It's not what I signed up for. I don't like what she said to me. I don't like how they looked at me. And he would love for you to get offended because he wants you separated from the very thing Christ established, the church. Oh, there are many people that were sitting here six months ago to a year ago that are not here because they got offended. Oh, it's not in my notes, but we're there. We might as well stay here. Someone's like, I'm ready for popcorn and Cokes. No, not today. No more movies. It's time to preach. He he would love for that offense to come in. And so it 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 would go deep down in the soil of your heart and start a root of bitterness. And when a root is established, it begins to wrap around other things and it's very hard to get out. So he'd love to have you sit here offended. He would love to have you sit here mad at someone across the aisle because of what they did 10, 20 years ago to you or what they said last week. He would love for you to be separated from the church. He would love for us to be disunified because the Bible says that where there is unity, the blessing of God is found. So he would love disunity in the church in the church leadership. He would love disunity in the church. If he can get people separated, then he can find a way in so that there is no power in the church. Hmm? Are you with me so far? You say, Jacob, you sound a little passionate. Well, I ain't preached in five weeks. Y'all work with me. I let the guys have it Friday night. They came out wounded and all messed up. I said, I can't act this way on Sunday, so I'm talking to you this way. (laughs) I don't know if there'll be any at the next men's night, but we sure did have a good time. (laughs) He he, he doesn't mind you sitting here, ma'am, sir. He doesn't mind you bringing your family as long as you're not connected. As long as this is just a social gathering to you. As long as this is no more than your country club you go to. As long as this is no more than just a place, a something that is on your schedule. Well, it's Sunday, so we go to church on Sunday. As long as you don't get connected, as long as you're not part of the body of Christ. The Bible talks about we are the body of Christ. And every part has a purpose. And every part has a role and a calling. So we are called to connect to God through the church, and we are called to connect to others. Someone say God. God. Someone say others. We see in Jesus' final hours before he goes to the cross, he has lengthy conversations with his small group, with his 12. Um, If you actually go back to the book of John, John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, 16, and 17, five chapters represent the last night before Jesus was crucified. Go back in your own time, check it out. Jesus is having a chat. He knows his time is gone. He's, he's, He's leaving this earth, physically leaving this earth. 
And he takes five chapters to talk to his small group. Five chapters to talk to his small group about some very important things. Now, his small group was with him for three and a half years. His small group seen a lot of things, a lot of miracles, a lot of deliverances, a lot of healings, a lot of great things happen. But he takes five chapters and he hits on two very important things. Two things. He hits on the role of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, and he hits on why relationships are so important. Read it in your Bible. It's, it, five chapters represent the last night before Jesus is crucified. He has this chat and he says, hey guys, you've seen a lot of stuff in three and a half years. Hey, I've, I, I've had a lot of lessons with you. I've taught you a lot, but here's the two things I need you to know. Because they, they're, they're devastated. Jesus tells them, hey, I'm leaving. I'm gonna be beaten a bloody death. I'm gonna die upon a cross. And they're like, you ain't leaving us. We're just getting started. And so they're they're devastated. They're frustrated with Jesus. And he says, no, 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 I need you to know something. There's one coming after me. There's one that is a part of me. It's the Holy Spirit. So I'm not leaving you comfortless, disciples. I'm gonna go up. The Holy Spirit's gonna come down. I'm gonna go up. The Holy, and so he's trying to teach them that, hey, a part of me is going to be in you. Are you with me? A part of me and you, you, you will be led by this Holy Spirit. You will be directed by this Holy Spirit. You will be corrected by this Holy Spirit. He will be a part of your life, not just on Sundays, if you allow him. Read it. It's a powerful, powerful scriptures there. So he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. Second thing he majors on is this, why we need each other in the church. He says, you're better together. And I love how Jesus teaches us by example how to pour our lives into a group, a group that changed the world. His public ministry was good, but his private small group changed everything. Hmm? He knew that he could make a bigger difference pouring into a smaller group than mass crowds. And I believe that for us. Sundays are great. Sundays serve its purpose for us to gather united in worship, for us to hear the teaching and preaching of God's word, and for us to reach out and invite and bring the lost and the broken. But can I tell you today, life change, discipleship happens best in the context of relationships in the context of small groups because circles are much better than rows. It's, it's hard for you to connect in rows on Sunday. It's hard. You're, I mean, you're, you're jetting out. You're getting your kids. Come on now. You're trying to beat the Baptist to the buffet. Don't, take offen- don't get offended if you're Baptist. Don't get, don't get offended. We talk about all denominations. Just blanket statement right there. It's hard to connect. But if we can get in a small circle of 10 to 12 people and we can start to do life with them, something beautiful happens in our lives. And this is God's design. Whose design is it? It's God's design. And I'm gonna show you how it's God's design here in a moment. John chapter 13 is our text, verse one through eight. I want you to see this. This is the night. Here it is. The night before. We know this as the last supper, right? Watch this. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world, this world and go to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them into the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already tempted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he, Jesus, got up from the table, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later, later, you will understand. No, nope, not touching my feet, Jesus, not today, nope, you're not seeing my toes, you're not seeing the fuzzies in between my toes, not today, actually, Jesus, you shall never, wow, the audacity of Jesus to talk to the son of God this way. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus said, unless this happens, there is no partnership. There is no connection with me. I pose this statement. Most people do not realize how important it is to have a few people in your life that know what's between your toes. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, <laughs> I could hear somebody. I know what they're doing if I get in a group. First time, they're going to make us take off our socks and shoes, and I ain't doing it because my feet, my toes are ugly. <laughs> I got some ugly toes. I get it. No, 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 we're not going to make you take off your shoes. No, we're not going to examine your feet. But most people, metaphorically speaking, do not know how important it is to have a few people in your life that know what's between your toes. Do I have your attention? Someone needs to have a close look into your life. Not everybody, but somebody. And they need to know what's between your toes. Peter said, no, I don't want to be close to anyone like that. That's the first thing many of you said when you heard the word small groups. For weeks, you've been saying, nope, ain't nobody going to know everything that's in me. Ain't nobody going to see all the dirt in between my toes. Ain't nobody going to know those hidden secrets that I've held on to for 20, 30 years. You said, no, just like Peter. And just like Jesus told Peter, you have no partnership. You will have no one there for you that can help you along life's journey. If somebody, not everybody, if somebody doesn't take a look at the dirt between your toes. Hmm? Peter, not comfortable with this kind of closeness. I don't want a relationship like this. Some of you have said the same words. Some of you your whole life have never allowed anybody 
to see what's in between your toes. Always covered up. Always, let's put that in this compartment back here. Let's not let anybody know about that. Hmm? This is what Peter was doing. He shut Jesus out. He shut others out. You and I must have somebody in our life who sees the dirt. Someone who helps us when we're down. We need each other. Why? Because we are better together. That's the title of my message today. We are better together together. That was my intro. (laughs) You don't let me preach for five weeks. This is what happens. I'll get you out by the time the Colts game's over. (laughs) We are better together and because we are the church. Someone say, we are the church. Each of us collectively make up the church. This is just a building. It's great, but wherever you go, Fuel Church goes. Be careful if you put a fuel church sticker on your window. I was behind someone yesterday, had a fuel church sticker. I was watching their every move. (laughs) I told my wife, I love when I see fuel church stickers out and about. I didn't follow them because I was going to Cone Palace and they weren't. (laughs) Holla at your boy, vanilla Coke on fleek. Anyway, back to spiritual things. We're better together because we are the church and we are called to do these four things. I want you to write them down. I want you to take notes on this. Note takers got a special place in heaven, by the way. You only remember one-tenth of what I say. That means you gotta go listen to the message on the podcast nine more times to get it all. Statistically, that's proven. We're better together and we are the church and we're called to do these four things. Number one, serve one another. We're called to serve one another. Oh, we're called to serve and to be served. Some of you got the serving part down, but it's very hard for you to allow others to serve you. And then there's others who just want to be served, but don't want to serve anybody. Come on, you ever met anybody like, don't point, ma'am, don't point, I see. Huh? We, We are called to serve one another. Because here's the thing, there's going to be a time in your life, it may not be now, but there will be a time when all hell breaks loose in your life and you're going to need somebody there who can help serve you. There's going to be a death in the family. There's going to be a surgery that puts you down for six to eight weeks. There's going to be an illness. There's going to be something that happens where you're going to need to have some people, a few people in your life that that can help serve you. So a few people that can come and visit you at the hospital when you're in there. A few people that can provide meals uh, at your home because you're going to be down for a season. A few people that can mow your lawn because you're unable to physically. There's going to be a time when you're going to need people. And the sad thing is, some of you have never connected with others. So therefore, when that time came in your life, nobody was there. Very sad that in a church of a thousand people, over a thousand people now, that you don't have at least one person that you can call on that can help serve you at different times in your life, that can help you when you're down, that can help you when all hell breaks loose. John 13, 12 through 15, Jesus said this. We're, all, we're still in the last night of Jesus's life. He says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, he returned to his place. He said, do you, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, now that I, your Lord, 
and teacher have what? Washed your feet. You should what? I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus models the closeness that we have to have in serving others. We need to serve others and we need to allow others to serve us because your one day is coming. It's just a reality, folks. Your one day is coming. You get that diagnosis and you're down for eight weeks. Who's there to help you? Who's there? your, Your one day is coming and as the church gets bigger, we have to become smaller through groups. Someone said, how, how, I I get this question quite often. How are you discipling all these people to get saved? I said, well, um, it's going to happen through groups. There are, there have been a lot of groups going on off the radar for, for the last couple years, but now, now there's something, something organized, but discipleship happens through groups, Right? It, it, it happens through us getting together and small groups make a big church feel small. Small group, someone said, Man, I just, I, this church is too big. I just want to go to a small church. You're not going to like heaven. It's big. A lot of people, a lot of houses, streets of gold, a lot of worshiping, close together. Yeah. You're like, Lord, just don't put me by that person who worships in church when I get to heaven. <laughs> That's who he's putting you by. You better start loving them so you don't get put by them in heaven. Small groups make a big church feel small. We we have to have groups. Uh, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Everyone in here has a gift to serve others. Shame on us when we don't use our gifts to help others. Shame on some of us who have sat here for months and years and have not been tapping into the gift that God placed in you to serve others. Very selfish. It's very selfish for us to not use the gift God has placed inside of us. Number two, we're better together when we encourage one another. That word encourage means to lift the spirit up. All of us get down at times. The disciples, they were down about Jesus leaving, about him dying. But Jesus says this to them in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. This encouraged the disciples that they knew that Jesus wasn't leaving them alone. We all need a place where we can get encouragement. Why? Because when we're down, we tend to make bad decisions and do crazy things because our emotions play tricks on our minds. Isn't it true? When we're discouraged, when we're going through a low time in life, our mind plays tricks on it. We make bad decisions, irrational decisions. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Every week, my prayer is that you come here and you get encouragement. Every Sunday. But how many of you know Monday's coming here in a few hours? After that follows another day called Tuesday. And you know what? There's going to be a Tuesday when you don't have money for Taco Tuesday. 
and you're going to be discouraged. And you're going to need somebody to encourage you. And then we go to Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And you know what? There's going to be times on Friday when you're not really encouraged about the weekend. Because you have nothing to look forward to. There's going to be times when you sit alone. Because you didn't have anybody in your life to encourage you. You didn't invite anybody in to that partnership. You didn't invite anybody in to see what's between your toes. You're going to need encouragement throughout the week. Sunday's great. I hope that you leave every Sunday fired up and ready to charge hell with a water pistol. But you need more than that. It says daily. Daily we need encouragement. Do you have people in your life that are daily speaking encouragement into you? We need it. I need it. We all need it. Number three, we are better together when we protect one another. Look at John 16, 1. All this I have told you. All this what, Jesus? All this about being together, about connecting with each other. I've told you so that you will not fall astray. That word astray means this. Listen, it means scandal or a snare in your path that you cannot see. Watch this. If you don't hear anything today, listen to this. Watch. It means scandal, that word astray, scandal or a snare in your path that you cannot see. Can I submit to you that you have a snare in your path right now that you cannot see? But if you can get some other sets of eyes on you, you can catch it. You can catch it. Church, we are all one step away, one decision away from stupid. Oh, I know, sir. I know you got the Bible memorized. Yeah, you too. Oh, I know you know the Greek and Hebrew. I know you've been saved for 30 years. You're one step away from stupid. You're one step away from ruining and wrecking your marriage. You're one step away from losing your job. You're one decision away. We need people. Why? Because there's snares. There's traps set by the enemy. Your adversary. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He doesn't look at, well, they've been saved for 20 years. They've been going to church for this long. I'm going to leave them alone. No. He's setting snares. He's setting traps. We need people in our lives that protect us. We need people in our lives that have the right to speak into our lives and say, hey, I know you're going on that business trip, just checking on you. I know what you struggle with in the past, just checking on. Hey, I, how's your marriage? Did you take those steps we talked about last month? How's that going? We need people who will point out the dirt between our toes and check on us and protect us and say, hey, I seen you talking to so-and-so, but hey, mm, watch out. This is just what I see. I'm just trying to protect you as a friend. Be careful. Huh? You need people in your life that will ask you the hard questions. The hard questions. No, I'm not talking about your best friends. I'm not talking about your person. <laughs> people are like, I got my person. Well, the problem with your person is they only tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. If you surround yourself with people who are yes people, all they do is tell you how beautiful you are, how awesome you are, but they never tell you you got something in between your teeth. They never tell you you got B.O. right now. They never tell you your farts really stink. I'm still anointed right now. If we're not careful, we'll surround ourselves with people who 
like the same foods we like, dress the same way we dress, love the same decor that we like, come on now, have the same hairstyle as we have, and all they do is say, yes, yes, you're awesome, you're amazing, and, and, and that invites, that does not invite no accountability into our life. You need people around you that can tell you the truth in love. Not everybody. Don't go walking around. Come on now. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about in a group. In a, when you meet individuals in your group, there's going to be people God connects you with. I don't know who they are, but they're here. There's going to be people that you're going to do life with. There's going to be people that are going to be family stronger than blood family that you're going to meet out of these groups. There's going to be people that journey with you through the good times and the bad times. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. He's just playing just to make it sound real spiritual, so don't get worried. <laughs> We're good on time. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It is better to have a partner than to go alone. Did you see this? This is God's word. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls down, the other helps. But if no one is there to help, tough! Been there. Been there. Tried to wrestle with my demons on my own. Been there. You know what it is? Tough! Some of you are there right now. It's tough to try to conquer addiction on your own. You can't do it. You can't do it. Let me say it again. You can't do it. It's tough. You need others around you to help you. You need others that you're connected with that can help protect you. Have you allowed somebody to build that kind of equity in your life? Or is there a wall up because of past hurts? Are you scared to get in a group? Some of you are. It's anxiety. You're freaked out at the word small group. You're like, I'm leaving this church because of small groups. And I'm not trying to make a joke about it because some people have high levels of anxiety. And they have a difficult time. But I want to encourage you to step across the line of fear and step into faith and get connected to a group. Ladies, get connected to a group of ladies who can walk with you through the struggles that you're having right now in that marriage with your kids. I guarantee you take a step of faith, God will meet you there. You do what you can do and God will do what you cannot do. Come on, you do, you take the step and watch God meet you right there. Tear the wall down of fear. Tear the wall down of pride. I, I don't need nobody. I'm good by myself. No, you're not. God didn't design us that way. We need more than just Sunday. I'm thankful you're here. I hope you're here every week. I hope you make church a priority. It's changed my life. It's changed my family. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing thing. But you need more than Sunday. You need more than Sunday. Point number four, and I close with this. We're better together because we can pray for one another. We can pray for one another. We can pray for one another. As our church grows and gets bigger, here's a reality. And we've seen this in the last couple years. I personally, as the pastor, cannot touch everybody. I can't do it. I, I can't go to every hospital visit. I can't do every funeral, and I apologize for some that I've had to say no to. I can't marry everybody. I apologize. It's just, I, I, I'm one person. You know, but as, as we, as we grow bigger, we have to learn to tap into a group because when you get put in the hospital, you know, who's going to show up your group, your small group, you know, who's going to send you cards, your small group. Why? Cause that's what they're designed to do. 
They're designed to disciple you, to be with you in the good and the bad, right? You know who's gonna be there when your child goes in for surgery? Your small group. Not saying me or the elders won't show up. That may happen, but I'm saying we need each other because we can pray for one another. The same anointing that is on me is on you to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't have some magical power because I'm a pastor. No, 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 no. You have the same anointing. The Bible says that the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. If there's any sick among you, bring them to somebody. Lay hands on them and they shall recover. You have the same power and anointing that I have. No different. You hear me? You just got to tap into it. Right? You just got to believe that God wants to use your hands to heal people as you go pray for them in the hospital, as you pray for them as they're sick in their bed. So we need each other, and Jesus uses that example in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I pray for them. Not praying for everybody in the world because I just need to pray for the ones that you've assigned to me. Why did Jesus say this? Because he knew that he couldn't touch everybody, but he touched his 12. And his prayer was that other leaders and other people in those days would see, hey, Jesus took this 12 and he invested his life. He invested his time into them and they ended up changing the world. If we do the same, we can take our life, invest in a group of people and we can pray for them and we can be an encouragement to them and we can help protect them. What could happen if we all take our group and we end up giving glory to God as we connect to others? We're better together, church. We're better together. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to who? To who? Each other. And pray for who? So that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. God wants to use you to heal people. Confess your sins to one another. Why? Because there's some hurts, hangups, and habits that you need to confess to someone else. Well, I just thought God was the only one that we confessed to and God was the only one that healed. You're right, but he works through us. We are the church. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. He'll work through us so we can pray for one another. I always ask two questions when I preach to you. What do I want them to know? What do I want them to do? I told you what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to do. Sign up for a small group. Simple. Sign up. Step across that line of fear. Well, I've never talked to anybody. Step across. Watch God. You do what you can do. God will do what you cannot do. I don't know if I ever get rid of that hurt. You do what you can do. God will do what you cannot do. Step across that line. Get in a group. We're here today in the lobby. Small group leaders, they're there to answer any questions, to talk with you. They're there to help you navigate it. You may join a group and be like, ah, it's not my fit. Try another one. There's 17, 18 groups to choose from. There's men's groups, marriage groups, women's groups, young adult groups, interest groups, hobby groups, workout groups, cooking groups, financial peace group, all kinds of groups. And as we continue groups, there'll be more groups. There'll be more of you stepping up to lead groups as we continue this throughout the years until Jesus returns. Because we are a church of small groups. Yes, we are. Stand with me today. Let's pray. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. 
you've messed up, I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer, mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.